Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. It's Wednesday, May 26, 2021. Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Fort Worth, Texas. Well, I'll be talking with Deborah Peoples, who is hoping to become the first black mayor of Fort Worth. Also on today's show, we'll also be talking with Bishop Kenneth Spears, who also is supporting her. A number of folks here uh, supporting her campaign are here at the Petroleum Club here in Fort Worth. Uh, also on today's show, we'll talk about a legal panel about qualified immunity. Will that, how critical is that to be in the George Floyd Justice Act? Uh, the U.S. Senate now uh, is debating, and so we'll talk with them about that. Uh, also, uh, the Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid now has an African-American who is leading uh, that agency. She was confirmed yesterday by the United States Senate. Also, California has a new initiative to track police misconduct. We'll break that thing down as well. Plus, a black woman shot six times by an off-duty cop here in Texas. Uh, also, in Ohio... 
Tamir Rice's mother wants the Supreme Court not to consider the police union's appeal to reinstate the officer who killed her son. Plus, we'll be joined by uh, my frat brother and also Texan Major on the fifth anniversary of his hit song. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered from Fort Worth, Texas. Let's go. Roland Martin here. We're in Fort Worth, Texas at the Petroleum Club, where we'll be chatting with uh, Deborah Peoples, who is seeking to become the first African-American mayor uh, of this particular city. Uh, and so we look forward to that conversation. We'll also be talking with uh, some of the folks in this room about what is needed in Fort Worth, especially as it relates to African-Americans. Uh, one of the big stories that we, of course, have been focused on uh, is the George Floyd uh, Justice Act. And that yesterday was, of course, the first anniversary of his death. And his family, uh, they went to Capitol Hill as well as the White House, talking with uh, political leaders with regards to that bill and what uh, is needed. Now, one of the issues that uh, many activists say is vital, that it must have uh, ending qualified immunity. That has been an issue all across this country. And so let's talk about it now with our legal panel, A. Scott Bolden, who's former chair of the National Bar Association Political Action Committee, Robert Patillo, executive director of the Rainbow Push Coalition Peach Tree Street Project, also Monique Presley, legal analyst and crisis manager. And so we'll chat with them uh, in a moment. Uh, is Robert, are you there? We're here, Robert. All right, Robert, I want to start with, I want to, st Robert, I want to start with you. Uh, Scott will join us in a second. Uh, many folks uh, say this is the most important thing in uh, this bill, that if you don't have the ending of qualified immunity, there really is no need for this George Floyd uh, Justice Act. Uh, your thoughts on that. Is that the most important thing? And should this would folks be pushing senators uh, to make sure it stays in the bill? We already know what Congressman Jim Clyburn said, where he said, He's fine with the bill if it doesn't have uh, qualified, uh, any qualified immunity in it. Well, the issue is that without qualified immunity, the bill, bill is almost indistinguishable from the justice act that Tim Scott introduced last year. Uh, so we're not going to have qualified immunity, then we just come to a broad consensus around Tim Scott's legislation to move forward. The reason qualified immunity is so important is because every other field, every other career that you can have, you have personal liability for any torts that you commit. So if I, as a lawyer, um, um, have an accident that results in a uh, pecuniary injury to my client or to uh, a harm to them, then they can sue me for malpractice, and I have to personally pay that toward against a client. Uh, if a doctor uh, has a malpractice claim and accidentally kills a client or injured them, he has to personally pay out and have a carry insurance policy in order to do so. 
Police officers are the only profession where you can simply say, oops, my bad, I accidentally killed somebody. And then the city takes on that debt for you. Then the taxpayers are in charge of paying off that uh, uh, that debt uh, to the individual. This is where we see these settlements for uh, $10 million, $20 million sometimes. City of Chicago has paid up nearly a billion dollars in settlements over the last couple of decades uh, for police misconduct cases. And the belief is that police officers were personally liable to pay off these debts. So they knew that them accidentally shooting somebody were result in them losing their retirement, losing their pension fund, uh, losing their house, their car, their boat, their second home, their ch uh, children's college fund. Well, then you're going to be a whole lot less likely to, as we saw in uh, St. Louis with Dante Wright, to say, oops, I thought that was my taser or oops, I, I didn't mean to shoot that individual. Oh, I'm sorry, I had my knee on their neck for too long. When it is your personal liability at stake, when you are personally uh, and individually responsible for paying off that debt, and you know it can bankrupt you going forward for generations, then that is what it will take in order to get officers to put in the due diligence necessary to pre prevent many of these police shootings. Monique, the Marshall Project estimated that more than a billion dollars has been spent on police settlements uh, over the past decade. Uh, and uh, many folks say if you don't uh, deal with the money, then you're never going to be able to get police uh, to be held accountable. The money is crucial. Uh, there's no doubt about that because uh, pecuniary interest and, and uh, financial loss are drivers. They are deterrents. And as someone who has uh, defended police departments, defended officers in civil suits, and sued them, I can assure you that it is something that is of great concern on both sides. However, I do believe that uh, my colleague Robert conflated two issues. One, qualified immunity as it stands now makes it nearly impossible for families to get a day in a civil court. Uh, that is the first issue, that when a police officer does something, the standard is so high and so frankly absurd and ridiculous as it is right now, that unless you can point to an I almost identical circumstance, um, it's going to be very subjective. It's going to be what the reasonable officer would have done, and you're, you're not going to be able to get the officer in court. So getting rid of that, whether it means that the police department takes the responsibility or the city takes the responsibility or the individual officer, what needs to happen is that qualified immunity is gone. Secondly, be, then becomes the issue of who's actually going to be responsible and pay the bill, whether the police officer is going to be required to have individual insurance uh, for malpractice the way that a doctor would or a lawyer would, et cetera, or whether the police department is going to be responsible for the bill and then they are incentivized to better train their officers and to get rid of these so-called bad seeds, bad apples, bad actors, whatever, uh, and to make sure that they are training up officers in good ground or whether it's going to be the way it is now in many places that is that it is the city uh, police officers make on average fifty thousand dollars a year the money that it takes the ten million dollars that it would take maybe to answer a wrongful death claim is not coming from the individual officers so while i recognize the importance of that individual liability and responsibility. The thing that is most important to me is that a change occurs in this bill where families will be able to seek redress in civil courts when officers do something terribly wrong. Scott, 
uh, on this particular issue here. Again, uh, this is something that uh, activists have been pushing on. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, she made it clear, uh, unless this is in the bill passed by the Senate, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, I agree with that, Maxine. Can you all hear me? Yeah, I agree with that, Maxine, and, and my colleagues here as well. Unless you hit them in the pocket, it's going to be it, it's going to be a, much of the same. These families need their day in court. But let's not forget. Let's examine one thing: the pushback from the police unions on taking out qualified immunity is that it's, and it's, it, it's a joke. Is that if you don't give them qualified immunity, then they won't be able to do their jobs. They won't be able to uh, make these split-second decisions. They'll hesitate and put their lives in danger versus the lives of citizens, if you will, or the bad guys, quote, bad guys. But that doesn't make any sense, because if you're really a good cop and you really want to seek excellence and think about excellence every day as a police officer, and by the way, you don't have a right to be a police officer, but if you're going to get in that field, then if you lose qualified immunity, then you ought to be making smarter decisions. You ought to be well-trained and be seeking to be well-trained. And you all ought to want to be an excellent police officer so that you don't have any bad actors or have any incident because you're so well-trained. But the police union and culturally is so ingrained in them culturally that all they think about is us versus them. And we know this to be the case because if you look at the history of payouts by major municipalities around the country, they're still paying out. They're still paying um, uh, settlements, and the police officers are still killing black and brown men and women. And so you've got to get through that culture and mentality from a leadership standpoint. But two, it begins with getting rid of qualified immunity and hitting these police officers in the pocketbook, including forcing them to put on their body cam. And if they don't turn it on, it ought to be an obligation in the law. If they don't turn it on, then you start to discipline them and hit them in the paycheck, as we've talked about before on this show. Roland, can I uh, add Can't something? Can't think of any mate. Yeah, Monique, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I just want to say that anyone who's saying that this bill is trash or that it's not worth anything at all if qualified immunity isn't included hasn't read the bill. Uh, because there are so many other things that are of vital importance that are going to change lives and save lives that I do not think we can go as far and be accurate and say that unless they get rid of qualified immunity, it's not worth it to try to pass this legislation. Uh, making for chokeholds choke being illegal federally is in this legislation. Um, requiring a national registry for bad actors is in this legislation so that you can't commit bad acts in one jurisdiction and then, like in the Joshua Feast case, Mike Brown, so many others, go to another jurisdiction and get a job and kill more people. That's in this legislation. Uh, the requirement for officers to report, to intervene when there is a bad actor and they are witnessing it, and to report it if they have witnessed it or if they learn about it. That's in this legislation. Um, opportunity for funding for mental health so that mental health crises aren't being answered by, by police officers, like triaging in the streets in the middle of the night. Some of that funding can be allocated to take care of those things. Uh, in, in this legislation, we're making it easier 
for officers to be held criminally responsible. So for everybody who's always saying, okay, the family got a whole bunch of money, but what else is going to happen? The the individual officer, this one city paid $10 million, but how does that change things globally? Well, yes, money is an incentive, but so is going to jail. So if we increase the number of, of crimes uh, that an officer can be charged with, or if we change the code such that it is easier to convict officers when they commit crimes in the scope of their jobs as law enforcement, all of those things and more are still on the table in this legislation. As you know, yeah, but I just spent yesterday in the offices of Senator Booker, Senator Tim Scott, Senator Lindsey Graham, the White House, and I can tell you, that, that the serious-minded people are doing serious business, trying to work something out and get something passed, and everybody wants a win here. Nobody is playing yeah, but, games but, but with this legislation. And, Scott, you can shake your head all you want to, but there's just no saying that we don't need the other things let me, let me tell that you why are you're in wrong. this bill. I'm and not Clyburn. I'm not saying I want this legislation to not have qualified immunity in it. And I don't think that was what he was saying either. I just think he didn't have any business talking because he's not a negotiator. He's not at the table. But what I want people to do is be informed about every single thing that we are fighting for and don't narrow it down or dumb it down to a single item issue because this is an omnibus legislation. This isn't one thing. Would you please? Well, the operative phrase there, the, the operative phrase there, hey, Scott, 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 that to remind you again who show this is? This is a recurring thing well, every week. That's what happens how you cap it. Don't know how to act in public. So, so Scott, so the, so the operative phrase, the operative phrase there, what Monique said was, if you read the bill. Now, Scott, you can go ahead uh, and make your little point. Well, I, I, I read the bill. I've had numerous discussions with mutual colleagues of ours, and I don't think Monique is wrong, per se. I think her conclusion is wrong. Because let me tell you the difference here. All of those other good things in the bill are only as good as the state and feds uh, implement them, if you will. Only as good as the leadership on the ground is if you pass all those laws. The reason that qualified immunity is so important is because it is not only the law, but I don't need anybody on the ground like a police officer, police chief, or mayor to implement those changes on the ground. The qualified immunity says, I'm going to hit you in your pocket if you're a police officer. It is the fundamental law. And as a result, I don't need to look at who's implementing it because the courts have got to follow it. And if you hit them in their pocket, all those other things are, are will support it but you don't need the implementation hey, Scott, piece Scott, for qualified Scott, immunity. And it all begins and ends there. Well, Scott, Listen, if they that. pass a bill without qualified immunity, God no, bless actually, them. But I'm telling you, qualified immunity is so much more important than the, than the other items that you've got to begin there, and the analysis ends there. Uh, actually, it doesn't end there. And so what Monique explain, explains yeah, is an omnibus, uh, omnibus bill and explains... is it, No, 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 no. First of all, I'm look, you're a lawyer. I understand you real, want to hit the pocketbooks. But the, but, the, but, the, but the point... But, 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 but here's the whole piece, Scott. It is a comprehensive bill. The operative phrase is read the bill. 
part of the problem is too many people in this country don't know how to read. Uh, I'm still dealing with black folks who are utterly clueless, who are getting on my damn nerves, calling it an anti-Asian bill, somehow thinking that 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 bill somehow dealing with hate crimes only applied to Asians. No, it applied to every Americans. <laughs> This is what true. happens when we have these there. fake YouTube. But this is what happens when we have these fake YouTube historians uh, and these and these wannabe activists out here, who I call never will bees, uh, who put information out and the average person doesn't read. And so, what Monique details, what most people have never even heard about, because they're not explaining all that is in the bill that's currently on the table. Robert, weigh right. in, please. Right. Well, well, I think the other thing that we, we have to look at is whether or not, even without qualified immunity, you can get Republicans across the aisle and vote for any form of police reform. Because right now, the fraternal order of police professionally right. exactly. uh, are going full body lobbying, trying to stop any version of uh, police mm -hmm. reform. So I, I think before we start taking things out of the bill to, in order to get Republican votes, we need to find out if there's any Republican votes to be got besides Tim Scott, because what we've seen to people like Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell uh, have basically said they will torpedo any part of the Biden agenda uh, going forward. So the, if we're going to take one swing at this, I think we should uh, take actually, one full actually, swing. Actually, Robert, 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 actually not true. Ro Robert, that is, that is Robert, 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 hold up. That's actually true. not true. Hold up, Robert, that's that's not true. So Lindsey Graham was one of the people that George Floyd family met with yesterday who is very much involved in the negotiations of this bill. Monique, go. I sat right next to him in two sessions now, and he is Senator Scott's wingman on this legislation. And anybody who has heard me speak for longer than 30 seconds knows that I have said so many things about my issues with Lindsey Graham. I, I'm, it's ad nauseum. But um, I, I will sit next to and talk to and discuss with anyone who is willing to help us get this done. And he asked for specific things, and he committed that he firmly believes that there will be a bill, and he understands the need for accountability, and he believes he has the votes to get it done if we do our part, which is to drum up support in our community such that it is undeniable. They care about being elected. They care about the changing times. Everybody wants a win here. So I'm, I'm going to credit because they are working very hard. They worked over the weekend on trying to move further. They've given updates to family members. Senator Scott, Senator Booker are calling the attorneys who represent the families who have been fighting for this legislation and saying, here's where we are. Here's what we think we can get. Here's what we need. Here's what's changed. So, guys, um, I, I, I'm a Democrat, for real and for true, but this is an American issue, and I need all Americans to understand, black folks, white folks, brown folks, that we, we need to try our best to hear. I'm not saying support it if you can't, but I'm saying to at Robert, least listen Trump. and understand right. that people are coming to the table to try to get this done. Lindsey Graham sat for two hours with these families yesterday, and two hours three weeks ago, not, not for nothing, but because they are making these efforts to try to... He's, he's a former prosecutor and a former defense attorney, so he's coming to the table as a lawyer. Senator Tim Scott is coming to the table as a black man um, who is able to galvanize support right. and get votes. And he's working with Senator Booker. So, so if, if, if it was all hogwash, y'all know. I'd be the first to tell you. But I'm, I'm going to put if myself on the line and no. say there's progress being made. I, I, 
if I was a racist, I can't think of any. I can't think of any major. I can't think of any. Scott, you can't trust them. Scott, Scott, Scott. But I appreciate what you say. Scott, she got the final word. Scott, Scott, she got the. Scott, she got. Scott, difference between you and Monique. Monique was in the room sitting next to Sin Lindsey Graham. You weren't. So if we gonna listen to somebody on this, I'm gonna listen to the sister. I'm gonna listen to the sister who was in the room talking to the man who's negotiating. She or you until he votes. Well, well, Scott, Scott, you don't. Scott, you don't have to trust him, but he's negotiating in the deal. But so she's actually in the room. He's got a history of voting as black interest. A history of voting for Trump. You done? You done? Yeah, I'm done. Are you done? Good. But for everybody who's listening, listen to the person who's sitting next to the person she's talking about, and it's not Scott. It's Monique. Uh, there's, no, there, there, there's, there's no major city in the country that's not been impacted uh, by this issue. It was in October 2019 here in Fort Worth when Antiana Jefferson was shot and killed by a police officer. That was October 2019. He has yet to actually go to trial. Uh, again, all across this country, this is uh, one of the issues. Uh, it certainly has been discussed uh, in the mayoral race here. Uh, we're going to chat in a moment with Deborah Peoples, who was a uh, mayoral candidate. But right now, I want to talk with, um, uh, first of all, with uh, Bishop Kenneth Spears. He is a pastor of First St. John Cathedral here in Fort Worth. Bishop, how you doing? Great. How are you, sir? I appreciate it. Thanks for hosting us here. Uh, you, 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 what's the phrase? Uh, you walking in the hot cotton up here at the Petroleum Club? <laughs> so I'm just saying... That ain't a phrase I would use because uh, I ain't picking nothing. Uh, but, uh, but but certainly glad, was appreciate you uh, you hosting us here. Uh, not my first time. I spent two and a half years at the Star, Fort Worth Star Telegram as City Hall reporter. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk about this. First, thank you, Pastor Ralph West, who's a great friend for making the connection. Thanks for coming. I not a problem. That. Not a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this issue we're talking about uh, the, the George Floyd Justice Act. Uh, is being uh, negotiated right now in the United States Senate. And again, you know, in Fort Worth, you, they've had to deal with this, not just with the Jefferson uh, fatal shooting, but so many other cases as well, uh, demanding a significant level of accountability from police. Yes, I, I think that's one of the reasons why we gather today. Um, we are now uh, a couple of years past in terms of uh, Tantiana Jefferson and the case with George Floyd has already been dealt with. So we're really trying to put pressure on the judgment in terms of DA's office and those individuals who make the final choice. Because lives are so precious and it's happening too often uh, in our city and we've got to do something about it. And so I really appreciate you uh, bringing it to the headway because uh, the more um, airtime we get about it, the, quicker we can move the process along. Uh, you spoke of that. Jefferson, uh, Jefferson shot and killed October 2019. Yes. Uh, George Floyd uh, was murdered uh, May uh, 2020. And yet yeah, Derek Chauvin has already uh, been convicted. They've moved the trial for the other three officers away from August to 2022 to create some space because Chauvin still has to get sentenced. Um, I constantly am trying to explain to folks why voting matters. Right. Uh, clearly, if a runoff election uh, on June 5th, but who is the DA determines these actions as well. Uh, and that was, and of course, uh, you, you had African-Americans who run in the past for DA as well. 
And what are you saying to people in this city uh, why they ha they can't ignore uh, the power of that ballot? Because uh, I keep saying uh, you can't you can't sit here whine and complain about changing policy if you don't understand that the poly in policy is the same as the same one in politicians. So I'm, I'm saying that we've got to get to the polls. One of the problems we're having, I think, more than anything, is that we've got to get people, black people, to the polls. Uh, we can't, ooh, I almost said to talk like you talk. <laughs> That's why the show called Unfiltered. <laughs> well, we got people who complain, uh, who complain, but they don't do the work. And so June So y'all heard somebody, he, he said complain. Yeah. <laughs> y'all like, what was he going to say? He's probably going to say they bitch and moan. <laughs> Say it. I ain't got a problem. I go you be like a ventriloquist. What just, you just, just point to me when you want me to cuss. What you just said <laughs> is what I wanted to say. I said, <laughs> say it one more time. My, 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 they bitch and moan. Yeah. My wife a preacher, but that's her. She got papers. I don't. But go yeah. ahead. And so we're in a space now. Here's one of the other areas that I think in cities like Fort Worth, uh, we run against each other. We can't afford to do that. Uh, we are divided in places like that. And I understand how people have their preference. I understand that. But we lose ground when we run against one another. We've got in District 6, which is powerful, a young brother, your frat brother, I understand, uh, who is running for, running against a guy, Jungus Jordan, Young professional, up and coming, very articulate, very intelligent, and very informative. We shouldn't even be having a runoff. If people had gotten to the polls, it would already be settled. In our city, even in this place, when we talk about Deborah Peoples, we talk about running for mayor, by right, it should have been over. So what we've had to deal with is the first place was in on the ballot a person who should have been at the top of the ballot. We had people who were voting. They had to go to the next page. And so people left, many in many cases, left the poll saying, well, I didn't see her name. Maybe she wasn't running. Well, they didn't know how to go negotiate the process and go to the next page. Then the critical piece is that during the election, when we came to the final portion, she won. And when the conversation comes up, it's always her opponent and then her. When in reality, in conversation, she plays should, first. She plays first. And so we've got to make sure that, that we get people back to the polls. We can't keep having these kind of fiascos. You know, we've got to make sure that uh, people understand that voting counts. And so I talked with a couple of people who said, well, I already voted. I'm saying in a runoff, you got to go back. Right. You can't stay. You can't count your first vote as being counted. You got to go back to the polls and vote. And so that's where we are. Uh, and so, uh, you know, what is the activation uh, plan? How are you how are you driving that? Because uh, it's, it's, it's basically civics is voter education. So we're, we're, what we've discovered, we can't have one event that is for one event. One event has to have multiple purposes. We are here today for this event, but we are pushing people to understand 
that this voting process, we've got, we already know we've got to inform people more so that we've got in this crowd, we've got people who potentially will run for judges, run for other offices, because I believe that if we're going to get the clout or we're going to get uh, the support, then the old school got to meet with the new school and that there has to be a place so that the, the people of means, of wealth, have to meet these young people who are preparing to run and make investment. And now, of course, uh, now that uh, places are opening up, folks are taking vaccines, uh, the campaign looks a lot different now than it would have a year ago where, look, we were in Georgia uh, for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock where there were, uh, right. there, there were, there were, there were drive-through rallies, everything was outdoor, everything was social distance. Uh, and so now you can be, be a lot more vigorous campaign than really what has taken place over the last year. For sure. So one of the things that's important, we've got to convince people that the vaccine is okay. Uh, we've got people who are now challenged in terms of taking the vaccine. And I'm saying I've taken it. I was in the first run in terms of being vaccinated. My family, my staff, team, and different friends. So we've got to make sure that the message is clear, that, that this is not going to hurt you, that it's going to help you. And so we've got to keep people informed in that process. I'm saying that if we can get more people vaccinated, we talk about that herd vaccination or community. We've got to do one by one. We've got to make sure that people understand that we need you. And if you haven't gotten your vaccination, put your mask on. <laughs> put your gloves on. Do whatever you got to do to cover your feet, your hand, and your mouth, and get your get your get, get your ass to the pole. <laughs> He wanted to say it, but I went ahead and say it. I had to say, I agree with it. Bishop Spears, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, it, uh, it is, uh, of course, uh, is, is all important. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk with Deborah Peoples, uh, who is trying to become the first African-American mayor here in the city of Fort Worth. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered live from Cowtown. We'll be back in a moment. Racial injustice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in black-owned businesses, the black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it. America is the only country founded on an idea, the radical idea that citizens could govern themselves. It was called the American Experiment because there was no reason to believe it would work. A republic, if you can keep it. Every generation has been called to defend and renew the promise of America. For some, it was on the battlefield. For others, it was on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Now, the battle has come to the steps of the Capitol itself. Democracy is under assault like no time since 1860. We have a choice. Look away or stand up and fight. It's not about conservative or liberal. It's about freedom versus autocracy. We didn't choose this moment, but history has chosen us. Which side are you on? The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising.
Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're here at the Petroleum Club here in Fort Worth, uh, where uh, I spent a uh, little time uh, soon after uh, college uh, working here. So, know a lot of folks uh, in the room. Uh, one of the folks uh, I crossed paths with while I was here, Deborah Peoples, she is now running for mayor of Fort Worth. She took first in uh, the general election, ahead uh, uh, of a number of other candidates. And so now, June 5th, there will be a runoff uh, taking place here in Fort Worth. And we certainly welcome her to Roller Martin Unfiltered. How are you doing? I am doing right. great. Right here. You got to grab a mic. You got to grab a mic. I am doing great, Roland. Doing better since I see you. See, I, I, I told you I was coming. I know, but I... You, you, th you thought I was joking? Roland, I know you. <laughs> I mean, look, when I hit Tashara Jones when she was running for mayor of St. Louis. I Absolutely. said, hey, we're going to bring this show to St. Louis. Oh, you brought good luck. And so, hey, there she won. <laughs> yes, it In a runoff. Yes. In a runoff. In a runoff. In a runoff. Uh, first of all, uh, how is, how's the campaign been going uh, uh, thus far? Oh, the campaign is going great, but it's going as expected. I knew, Roland, they were going to come after me. And so we have just been working hard, doing what we do best. And so they are coming after me, but I'm like Obama now. I can take it. I got big shoulders. We are fighting for the soul of Fort Worth, Texas. We are fighting for all the people out there who aren't represented. So they can dish it out, but I can take it. <laughs> when you say, so when you say uh, they're coming after you, exactly uh, how so? Uh, has it gotten has it gotten a, li a little dirty thus far? Oh, you know it has. Well, you know, uh, well, you know all the catchwords: defund, anarchy, socialist. You know all of that. The pictures of you where you don't look, you're a little darker than you really are. All those things. So, but that's okay. I can handle it. Because you're part of the light skin club. No, If this was a time joiner, if this was a time joiner cruise, you'd be on Tom team, not J. Anthony Brown's team. <laughs> <laughs> I, not quite. Okay, not quite. So they got but, you. They, they got you looking like Jay Anthony. Yeah, they got to me you? looking like Jay Anthony. I got to cover my feet, my hands, and my mouth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the, uh, the two or three dominant issues uh, that? you're running on that you say that need, that need to be changed here in Fort Worth? Diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion. We are the 12th largest city in the United States. We're a minority, majority city, but on issues like economic development, on parity around education, our children dominate in the public schools. On issues around good jobs and housing, we still continue to lag behind. It is worse now than when you were here. Wow. When you talk about um, on, on economics, we have a segment called Where's Our Money? Yes, and we've been, matter of fact, right before we came on, I was, I was Byron Allen calling me, and we've been going after these companies, these ad agencies. That, that, you know, frankly, they've been you know, spending 1% and 2% with African Americans. Right. Uh, but uh, in the case of General Motors, we spent 12% of their cars are bought by us. Absolutely. McDonald's, 40% of the dollars going to McDonald's bought from African Americans. And our whole point is, 
y'all got y'all got to do more uh, in terms of uh, Fort Worth. Uh, what does it look like for black entrepreneurs so, when it comes to contracts? So that's it. So Roland, flip the squid, switch when we were just talking about you know the number of people who buy cars. We are 35% Latinx, 20% African American, but we only get two to three percent of contracts. It's ridiculous. We are not moving ahead. And even though we try to That was the case. Again, I was a City Hall reporter here from uh, 93 to 95. And I remember writing writing about the stories then. Yeah. That's that's almost 20 years ago. So it hasn't changed. And that's the problem. 30 years ago. That's right. I tell people, they don't know, but Fort Worth used to have a black Wall Street with Bill Gooseneck McDonald. Riverside used to be one of the most powerful areas in the city. Now we are fighting each other to get contracts. COVID really wounded our black and brown businesses. They were struggling to survive, and we that should not be the case. So if this is a majority-minority a majority city, um, how are you uh, trying to get to those two major voting blocks to realize that sitting at home means your power stays at home? So, well, so what has been your strategy uh, trying to, to get them to, to return to the Because it's harder for people to come out and vote. For the runoff, it's a lot more difficult. That's right. We are walking and talking and knocking on doors and talking to people. You, uh, Rowan, people need to understand our politics is local. You know, we like to talk about what's going on in Washington, and I know you were just talking about this bill, but things happen right here on the ground. When people talk about they don't get jobs, they don't have transportation to get to work, they don't have a good good place to live, that's local policies. That's not national policies. So we go to the door and have a conversation with people about how what happens locally impacts you. There are so many people who say, I only vote in the president presidential elections. Well, I'm going to tell you, Joe Biden ain't going to come down here and fix your street. I mean, that's not going to happen. He's not going to come, you know, put a light bulb in over your house. The things that matter are the things that are here locally. And the whole issue around public safety, all of those things are local issues. So how are you combating the folks uh, who are, are you trying to use defund the police against you? So I tell everybody, People know me. So, Roland, I didn't have to come to the community and say, I'll take a tour. I am here every day fighting. People people know. I didn't mean that as a pun, but people know me. I have been out in this community for a long time. They know how I am. They know my brother was a policeman. They know my sister was a constable. So, But I also tell them I'm a person of color. I understand law enforcement, but I also understand how it feels to be a black man in a suit going to work, get pulled out of your car, and you have to go face down on the ground. That has got to change. And so I just tell them, you know, I, I call them like I said, it's a lie. You know, stop lying. Just like when you show a picture of me, and I'm sorry, looking like J. Anthony Brown. So, you know, I, I'm proud to look at people in my family look like J. Anthony Brown. But you're doing that for fear-mongering, and I just call it out for what it is, race-baiting and fear-mongering. So, uh, so this is the mailer here. And yeah, so, that, that's one. It says, um, I'm a tax and spend person. I just spend says, all these people's money. Yeah, she's elected Fort Worth mayor. Dara Peoples wants to go on a spending spree with your tax dollars. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, I, and how are you responding to this? 
because it's not me that goes on a spending spree, it's them. I didn't go and buy Pier 1 for $77 million. I mean, I don't make... When we had people... When we had people who were homeless and people who were losing their jobs because of COVID, and we had a chance to buy two motels to do permanent supportive housing for homeless people, I didn't make the decision to not buy the motel and go buy Pier 1. So you tell me who's taxing spending who's spending all the tax dollars. The facts speak for themselves. We have, we have a government that has not been hospitable to its citizens, and that is the wrong way. We run this city. The city hall is our house, but people feel excluded from their house. There's something wrong with that. I talked about Latinos and African Americans, but how are you also talking to white folks in this city, oh, especially broke white folks? I, I keep no because no because I I, I I keep saying this all around the country. I mean, the reality is, uh, you know, this this is this is uh, it can be deemed a conservative city. Uh, that's one of the phrases you, yeah. that, that, that that you'll hear. You have, the, the current mayor has been there ten years, and so her chief of staff is running. Uh, yeah. And and so uh, you've had Kay Granger, uh, yeah. who was a mayor when I was here, or uh, now a Republican uh, member uh, member of Congress. Uh, but one of the things that I keep also saying is that broke white folks in the same position as broke black folks. Broke Absolutely. Broke. Absolutely. And that's what I tell people. I grew up in a black, brown, white neighborhood, Roland. We didn't know we were poor till we got out of the neighborhood. But the issues are the same. And so when I go and talk to people in neighborhoods, I tell them the same thing. What kind of job do you have? Do you know we are not, we are a blue-collar city. We're a working-class city. Most of our residents do not have a college degree. Let, uh, 30% of our residents have college degrees. The other 70% have some college some, or high school or some of them didn't even finish. How are you benefiting? We have to have the conversation, what's working for you? And I will tell you, people, it's, it's, there's an economic divide. They have the same issues that we have. They could just go across the street, though, and not be seen as black, where we are black and brown our whole life. So how is your message being received by... Uh, non-black, non-Latino non voters. So I think it's been received very well. We could not have gotten to the runoff had it not been for white voters. Because I'll tell you, it is, a, it is a learning process with black folks and people who look like me. Only 20% of the votes that were cast on May 1st were cast by African Americans. We are going back now to talk to all of those people. So if you didn't vote May 1st, you can vote on June the 5th. But we are going back to talk to people to say you didn't vote on May 1st. Even the ones that told me they voted for me, I can tell whether you voted or not. But, you know, no shame there. But I go back. And See, we you nice. <laughs> I'll be like, yo, ass line. <laughs> right here, you ain't vote. See, you not. I, I, Roland, that, that's I that's why be. I will never run for office. Because I, I, I probably would start. I keep telling people I would start with twenty thousand votes, probably end up with five. Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm way too honest. I'd be like, "You lying! Stop lying! Go, go ahead, go." So, ahead. Roland, you know it's a work in progress. We have to make people feel good and to grow and to believe. And so that is what I do. I mean, that is what I do, and that's why I know I'll be a great mayor. I, you know, I, unfortunately, sometimes I want to tell the truth, but I know it's not in the best interest of the city, so I will work with people to no, build no, no, you tell the truth, but you don't, but, you, no, no, you yeah. tell the truth, you don't want to be hardcore honest. 
<laughs> okay. Like well. you, like you say it, but but you you got sugar and honey, <laughs> and you got all that. I got sea salt. Okay, well, and sometimes you need sea salt, but right now we need sugar and honey because people need to believe that change is possible. And they, and I don't care what color you are, what religion you are, what your sexuality looks like. They, people need to believe that change is possible. And that is what I'm working to do is make people believe that, yes, you can get your share of contracts, that, yes, we can build decent infrastructure in your neighborhood, that, yes, you deserve a decent job and a good way to get there and people have been beaten down so long they don't think they deserve it i'm gonna do this here so uh anthony we're gonna do this trust me uh i wouldn't plan to do this here so I i'm gonna take a few questions for some folks here uh and so uh we're gonna pass the mic just like in church uh if you have not been vaccinated don't touch this microphone <laughs> So I assume if y'all got mask on, y'all ain't got y'all shot. So, so this is how we're going to do it. If you ain't got your shot, put your mask on right now so I can separate who's got the shot and who has it. If you have not gotten your shot, don't touch that microphone. I'm telling you right now. I don't want to spray you down with all kind of stuff. Uh, all right, then. So uh, we're going to take uh, a few questions uh, from the audience here. Uh, so who's first? All right, got a brother in the back. Come on up. Come on up. I want you to uh, stand. I want you to stand right here. Come on up. And you got to move faster, bro. We live. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. Do you need this? You huh? Say it again. Okay. All right. Well, Alpha, you got to move faster than that. I mean, like, you like pick that space up. You hear rolling always. Yes, sir. Mayor Peoples, okay. transportation. What do we do about transportation, multimodal, connecting, regionality, jobs, getting to that alliance, getting south? How do we create transportation that, to create economic development for our people, workforce? So that was a trick question because he knows that's one of my big issues is and it's multimodal transportation. Roland, I was sitting in a meeting and they told me that a sitting city council member, a mayor, said he would not ride the city bus. I'm like, well, if you don't ride the city bus, you mean to tell me the city bus is good enough for all of us? We need to develop a multimodal transportation system so that we can get to jobs. They're putting the jobs out at Alliance and Irving, other places. If our people are going to have to come out of their neighborhoods to get jobs, we need good transportation. Great cities have great transportation systems, and we don't have that in Fort Worth. We gave up our shot in Dallas has it. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Dallas, Dallas has light rail because they got our money. Right. <laughs> and Cheryl is laughing over there, but she knows it's true. Okay. So, I mean, we have got to work on things. And this is what I tell everybody. Everybody says, well, we don't have the money. I said, but that is why you plan. That is why you come up with a master plan and you say, okay, it's going to cost $2 billion or $2 trillion. How do I go and get that money? And I don't see that happening. All right. Next question. Next question. Uh, right here. Oh, I love it. Oh, no, we don't play that. All right. All right. Okay. Well, following up with that question, um, 
you know, I'm proclaiming future mayor of Fort Worth. Um, how will you bring um, Fort Worth out of the red into the black and restructure our budget so we can flourish as, you know, what the 16th largest city in our nation? She said 12. Oh, we moved up. Oh, we moved up. Yes. Well, since you've been here, since you've been here, the tax base has flipped upside down. Now, uh, residents pay for 60% of the taxes, and businesses only pay for 40%. We have to flip that structure. We have made some decisions that we put it on the backs of residents. But the way you do that is it's not an immediate fix. you got to find new revenue streams. And so you've lived here. You know when you want to go out on a Saturday night or something, you go to Dallas or you go go to Arlington to the ballpark. You don't stay in Fort Worth. We send our money out of the city. We have to find ways to sell this city. Yeah, Ruby Woolrich, I know you up there saying bring that money to Arlington, but I want that money to come. I want that money to come to Fort Worth. And so if that means I got to find ways to sell things here. Do you know we are, everybody says we're just the city of cowboys. No, we're not. We're the city of so much more. But I will tell you, there were Buffalo Soldiers, there were black cowboys, there were vaqueros, there were Asian cowboys. We have to sell this city and we have to bring people here and tourism is a quick way, Roland, because those are dollars that are not coming out of our residents' pockets. And so I, my job as mayor is to go out and sell this city and that's what we're going to do and bring in new revenue streams so I don't have to keep taking money out of your mama's pocket. I see your mama over there, not yours. Okay. All right, <laughs> next question. Just enjoy being the crowd. I don't know y'all sitting next to her, y'all. Y'all playing, playing around. If you gonna take a selfie with me, you're gonna be 10 feet in front. I'm gonna be in the back. All right, go ahead. What's your question? Deborah, yeah. we're all individuals. We only get one vote. What as individuals can we do to make sure that you get the votes to become the next mayor of Fort Worth? Oh, so that's easy. So I get so tired of people telling me I'm with you, and they and I voted yesterday. I said, so how many people did you take with you? Oh, that's, oh. That, 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 that's like the people who say, Pastor, I'm with you. They ain't sitting on tithe, no offerings. <laughs> they ain't prayed for nobody. <laughs> they ain't brought nobody to church. Look, look at my look, look at my they, pastor they over ain't there. No, they ain't done none of that. Yeah. Right. So, so that's it. So attorney. Take somebody with you. We know people every day, our friends and family, who don't go vote. We have a sacred obligation to go and drive up and throw them in the car and say, you're going to go vote. You, you know, the way we win this, I'm telling you, 
only 20% of the vote came from African Americans, but guess what? Our population is 942,000, almost a million people. 20% of us are African Americans, so that means that's 180,000 black folks in this city. If you figure that 50% of them are registered to vote, that's 90,000 black votes out there. And we only had uh, 63,007 people vote in this election, so 20% is 12,000 votes. We left 78,000 black votes on the tape. So, so the total, so the total number of votes cast in the general election was, was what? Was 67,000. 67, 68. 67,000. Yeah. Uh-huh. Based upon how runoffs go, it would be, it would be shocking if a total number of 40,000 people voted. Well, we're hoping it's at least 60,000, but you're right. It, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. What right, I'm saying though. is, if you look at, look at, look at terms of how oh, yeah, a dramatic I mean, drop off. Yeah. So, so the reality is, if, if you do the math, uh, you if if you get twenty again if you, how yeah. n- wrong normally go you get twenty five thousand people come out and vote you the next mayor that's right that's it but it's getting people to believe and I will tell you I work all the time in the Latinx community uh, Gabrielle knows. Uh, 35% of this city is Latinx, only 7% went to vote. Wow. We have got to do better, but part of that is because we've been so browbeaten to believe that we can't do it. People keep telling us that this is a conservative city. We keep getting told that our vote does not matter, that we don't count. And so that's a big part of what I do is making people understand that we have the power. We just have to own it and believe it and go vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take one more question. Uh, I got. I, I got a guess. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna go here. Okay. <laughs> then I have a guest who I'm gonna go to next. Then we're gonna come back and ask more questions. I got you. It, Breathe. It, it, okay. <laughs> Breathe. Come on. Girl, you got to move. I'm coming. No, you got, you know, you're trying to be sitting, trying to be all cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better be gone. Ask this question. Uh, Deborah, can you please explain to us what the Fort Worth way is and what that means and why it's so important that we change that in this election? The, the Fort Worth way. Well, and you've heard that, too. All our life, we've heard the Fort Worth way. That means this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's always been doesn't work for a lot of us. And so that is why I'm working so hard to change it. Roland, my mantra is one Fort Worth. It is one Fort Worth. It is not the Fort Worth way. It's one Fort Worth. It is all of our way. And until we start changing that, we're going to be in the same position that we were. You said, what is it? Same old same. That's it. That's what it is. That's it. That's what it is. They in control, you not. That's, that's how it is. But again, though, but this this is what, you know, look, we do this, do this on our show constantly. When numbers are numbers, uh, and it's getting our people to understand that we can literally flip numerous elections if we just simply vote our power. If, if, if white voters stay the same, you take our numbers, we could literally win any number of different places, but folk got to be willing to actually uh, step out and actually cast the ballot. Yeah, and they got to be, you know, we have to... 
I tell people all the time, we are extraordinary. The fact that we have survived and, th and, and we thrive in these United States of America. We don't, I don't want to take anything from anybody else. I just want to be, have the same opportunity. I want to enlarge the pie. Roland, we've been convinced that the pie is this big. And we have to fight each other. If you get a slice, Roland, i got to fight you because that means I get less. No, there are opportunities out here that are incredible. And we have been convinced that all we get is this much of the pie. Well, Jackson's not even a slice, uh, yeah. is crumbs. That's right. Uh, so and so uh, and I changed that. Hold tight one second. got to go to a break. Uh, folks, when we come back, we'll talk about a new California bill uh, dealing with the issue of police misconduct. We'll also come back to Fort Worth and take more questions from the audience here for Deborah Peoples. Uh, and if y'all know some folk right now uh, who are in Fort Worth, man, call them, uh, text them, tell them, get off your behind uh, and use the power of your vote. Y'all, we could, this is why we do this, because to amplify voice. And so we'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered broadcasting live from Fort Worth. Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because you deserve a leader who will stand up fearlessly on your behalf. Together, we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. Shortly after 9-11, America and its allies went to war in Afghanistan to defeat a terrorist stronghold. We accomplished that mission years ago. Trillions of dollars lost, over 2,000 Americans dead, countless Afghans dead. It's time to get out. Many presidents have tried to end the war in Afghanistan. But President Biden is actually going to do it. And by 9-11, over 20 years after the war was started, the last American soldier will depart, and America's longest war will be over. Promise made, promise kept. Hello, everyone. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching... Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. Keep clapping, keep clapping. All right, folks, welcome back to Fort Worth. Welcome back to Fort Worth, y'all. Uh, in California, there's a new initiative that's being developed to keep police departments accountable and also track misconduct. It's named after uh, the late Congressman John Lewis. Uh, it's the John Lewis, the Lewis Registry will be the first national database of police officers who have been terminated or resigned due to wrongdoing. Joining us right now, Dr. Errol Southers, Director for Safe Communities Institute for the University of Southern California, where the database uh, is being created. Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great, Roland. How are you? Thank you. Uh, so this is, I mean, first of its kind, and, and this is the thing that a lot of people have been complaining about, have been asking for. Uh, for instance, the cop who killed Tamir Rice. Uh, and we see this uh, all, all over and again. That was a brother who was a police officer in, in Milwaukee uh, who resigned from the city. Actually, he had four or five fatal shootings. He gets hired by uh, the sheriff's department. We see this all the time where an officer just simply goes to the next city or the next county. They're back with, with a badge and a gun. Exactly, Roland. It's called bouncing. And officers do it all across the country. As a matter of fact, California is one of five states, along with Hawaii, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, 
where you keep your certification if you get fired and you can go to another agency and be hired and not have to go through the academy. And so uh, with this uh, registry, uh, is the requirement for every law enforcement agency in California uh, to input the information? How is it going to be tracked? Just explain to us how it's going to how it's going to be um, developed and monitored. Well, we're not there yet in terms of all 50 states being on board. So this is going to be a gra grassroots movement. What we are doing is collecting open source, publicly made available information from media on officers that have been fired or resigned from misconduct. So we're populating this database with open source information. We have over 200 officers in the database already. We've only looked at two-thirds of the states across the country. What we're hoping for after this is that the public will be able to look at these names know who's working in their agencies in their cities, because I think all police rosters should be transparent and open unless the officers are working undercover. And they should be asking their mayors and their chiefs if there's a name match for an officer that's been fired someplace else, why did we hire him? And then on the law enforcement side, there'll be a law enforcement only side where we'll collect additional data. We'll be able to look at some predictive analytics to determine why these officers get in trouble. Perhaps we can influence police department policy with regards to how long officers stay in certain details on a certain watch or other things that can keep them or reduce their risk of their problems coming up later on. Questions for my panel for you. I'll first start uh, with Scott Bolden. Scott, your question with Dr. Southers. Hey, Dr. Southers, thank you so much for your leadership on this issue. My question is whether the government, the federal government or the state government, they have these statistics already. Uh, true or false. And secondly, if they don't, then you're pulling stuff from public information. How can we help you with this ground uh, swell of support? Because this issue has been subject to federal and some state legislation, and its time has come. Thank you very much, and I appreciate your offer. So what you've described is what we want. For example, in California, we have 509 police departments. We would love to be able to collect from Sacramento, from all 509 agencies, and have one point of contact, one point of entry for each state. We've also set up a subscription rate for those police departments, so there is no excuse to not be part of the register or subscriber. So we're hoping that states like New York, who also have legislation right now, where if you're fired in New York, they don't want you to be rehired. The problem is there's no national database for New York to know if the officer got fired in Rhode Island, will be that database so they can look at it nationally. We will save agencies thousands of dollars and background investigators tens of hours unnecessarily going out to find out that someone is unqualified to serve at the agency because they've been fired before. So we need the legislative help, and thank you. Thank you. Monique, your question for Dr. Southers. Uh, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I, I think my question is similar to Scott's. I'm just wondering what people on the ground uh, can do. We recognize the importance of this. I don't know if you got to hear what we were talking uh, about a similar subject regarding the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act and the fact that a national database, a national registry for bad actors for police officers will be included. What can just a citizen at large who's listening to you and wants to make a show of support due to help. Thank you so much. Well, the first thing they can do is when they find an officer fired, 
let us know about it. Yesterday when we launched, we had several people reach out by email from all over the country saying, you know about these officers, send us a link to the publication, we can track it down. The other thing you can do is go to our website, sci.usc.edu, look at the Lewis Registry. We have a whole collection of things that you can do to contribute. We've got an incredible list of supporters from Governor Schwarzenegger, Karen Bass, to Frank Serpico. So we've got a lot of support. And this, again, is a grassroots movement. So we want people in America to hold law enforcement agencies accountable. When they've got officers or publications, they see of identified officers, send them to us. Robert Patillo, your question for Dr. Southers, please. Robert? Yes, can you hear me, Roland? Now we can hear uh, you. Go with your question, please. Yeah, what has been the response from law enforcement to this initiative? What we've seen in Georgia uh, is law enforcement have been very recalcitrant to even the most menial uh, attempts at police reform or to holding them accountable. What's been their response and what can uh, individuals who are attempting to assist in this do uh, when confronted by hostile police unions or police organizations? We've reached across the country to chiefs that I know personally. I've been, in the interest of full disclosure, I was sworn 40 years ago. I've served in three agencies, including the FBI. So I've talked to chiefs across the country. We have their support. They do not want officers that have been fired working for them. In fact, one of our persons that's on our the top of our supporters list is Art Acevedo, who's chief of the Miami Police Department and president of the Major Cities Chiefs Association. Uh, I would, we anticipate pushback from unions. We are not dealing with qualified immunity. That's not an excuse. We are not dealing with decertification. We want officers that have been fired or resigned due to misconduct. There's nothing about taking away their due process. And if an officer is reinstated, and by the way, 23% of officers that are fired are reinstated with back pay, we will take them out of the registry. Sort of like being on the TSA no-fly list, that will be a little faster. We'll take them out of the registry because they shouldn't be there. This is not in any way neutralizing someone's due process. There's no reason for unions to push back against this. All right, Dr. Southers, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, if uh, folks uh, want to assist you with this, uh, petitioning their legislators, uh, what information, where, where should they go to get more information about this database, this registry? SCI, same communities to sci.usc.edu. There's a Lewis registry tab there. All the information they need is there. They can contact us. We welcome it. Thank you for your support. Again, this is a community effort. We're only going to get accountability if we demand it. And we will have agencies now that will be more transparent and will be more accountable and will build community trust. And thank you for your support. All right, Dr. Errol Southers, director of the Safe Communities Institute from the University of Southern California. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Folks, We'll tell you about this story here in Texas, folks. A black woman is lucky to be alive after being shot six times by an off-duty police officer. Suddenly, Lucretia Murray was driving when she began to feel sick. She made a U-turn to go to the hospital and noticed a truck closely following her. Uh, she stopped, got out, and confronted the truck driver, who quickly pulled a gun on her. She turned around and ran back to her vehicle when the man opened fire on her, hitting her six times. According to Murray, the man identified himself as an officer once people came out to see what was happening. That officer is now on administrative leave pending an investigation. It's not known if the lead is uh, paid or unpaid. 
Uh, Samaria Rice, the mother of Tamir Rice, is asking the Ohio Supreme Court not to consider the police union's appeal to reinstate fired Cleveland police officer Timothy Lohman. Lohman shot and killed 12-year-old Tamir Rice in 2014 as he was holding a pellet gun. While not convicted in Rice's death, he was fired for lying on his job application. In a statement, Samaria Rice said this here, Timothy Lohman can't be trusted. I hope that the Supreme Court does not give him a chance to get back his job. The fact that the Cleveland Police Union is still trying to get him his job, despite him killing my child and lying on his application to become a police officer, shows you just how immoral that organization's leadership is. That right there, uh, Monique, I think speaks to this whole issue of why the registry is important uh, and why officers like this uh, should not get their jobs back. But it also speaks to what has to happen when it comes to these contracts that are being negotiated, where in many uh, cases it is hard for cities, mayors, city managers to fire police officers uh, of misconduct. A significant number of them get their, get their jobs back through arbitration. Absolutely. It's very hard. And that is another reason I'm going to sound like a broken record and say that I am supporting uh, the passing of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, because if we are increasing the chances, the likelihood of police departments being held responsible financially, uh, being on the hook for the things their officers do, I just have a feeling they're going to figure out a way to in, increase their negotiating ability uh, with the FOP. And the FOP is not going to want to continue to have to answer for these ne'er-do-well officers. So um, the pressure has to come from the top down, and then it has to come from the bottom up so that we can really create this perfect storm uh, in order to get some movement. I, I believe that the Fraternal Order Police has a place and plays a role. I think that everyone should have advocacy, should have representation. I am not against unions or anything of the sort. It's just that uh, when these, these members don't adhere even to their own membership agreements, there needs to be accountability right. for that. Uh, Robert, again, this is a huge issue. Uh, we had the mayor of Columbus on who talked about how it's nearly impossible for him to actually fire a police officer. Well, we talked similar things here in Atlanta when you had the police officers who tased the students at uh, Morehouse and Spelman. Uh, we uh, debated a couple weeks ago the officers who shot Rashard Brooks uh, who were reinstated. Uh, it, it's going to be imperative that on the that one, do we have the federal legislation, but two, do we have state and local uh, legislation that opens up some of these police union contracts to find out exactly how much power they have. Uh, because what we've seen is that even when you have mayors and district attorneys and even police chiefs uh, who want to uh, uh, institute type some police reform that will ameliorate some of the violence in these communities, um, they cannot even uh, fight back against the police union and particularly the arbitration clauses in the contracts. So it's important that we take this lesson and understand that the battle goes forward. It's not just marching in the streets. It's not just uh, holding a bullhorn. We have to get into those city council meetings. We have to get into those uh, executive board meetings, financial yep. uh, committee meetings, and make sure that we're breaking these systems down from the inside out. Scott? Yeah, you know, um, the, the power of the vote, again, affects this because if your city council, your mayor, and even your state legislatures who vote on these police protection rules set forth by the FOP, even if it's through negotiations, um, 
that's a real problem because they have to have courage to beat back and vote against this stuff and vote for police reform. The state of Maryland did just that after their Republican governor uh, uh, vetoed uh, a comprehensive police reform bill. The state legislature, with many Democrats and many uh, black legislators, um, uh, overrode uh, that that uh, veto, and now they have probably the most extensive and progressive police reform legislation in place. Right? They're not anti-police; they're pro-police excellence, if you will. But you got to right, elect the right people. You got to vote and have them vote with courage. And then lastly, with Tamir Rice's mom, the most important part of her statement dealt with truck. If a police officer shoots a 12-year-old within seconds, if a police officer beats up defendants and is corrupt and oppressive policing, and that's their motto, and they get caught once, maybe twice, why should we ever trust them again? Why should they ever be able to serve as a yep. police officer anywhere? They shouldn't, if you will. And you don't have a right to be a police officer. And if you be, act badly more than once, or even once, it's a matter of trust between the police department and this officer, and the police department, this officer, and the community. He can't, he or she can't be trusted. They need to go find some other employment. I agree 100%. Folks, got to go to a quick break. We come back uh, more with Deborah Peoples here in Fort Worth. We'll take some questions from the folks here as well. And I'm just going to pull some other folks up uh, who I see who have stepped in here. They don't know it yet, but I don't care. That's how I do it. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered, Unfiltered Broadcasting Live from the Petroleum Club here in the city of Fort Worth, Texas. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Anthony. I believe that it's movement time again. In America today, the economy is not working for working people. The poor and the needy are being abused. You are the victims of power, and this is the abuse of economic power. I'm 23 years old. I work three jobs. Work seven days a week. No days off. They're paying people pennies on the dollar compared to what they profit, and it is time for this to end. Essential workers have been showing up to work, feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods to us throughout this entire pandemic, and they've been doing it on a measly $7.25 minimum wage. The highest check I ever got was literally $291. I can't take it no more. You know, the fight for 15 is a lot more than about $15 an hour. This is about a fight for your dignity. We have got to recognize that working people deserve livable wages. And it's long past time for this nation to go to 15 so that moms and dads don't have to choose between asthma inhalers and rent. I'm halfway homeless. The main reason that people end up in their cars is because income does not match housing cost. If I could just only work one job, I could have more time with them. It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General, and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers a living wage. And if you really want to tackle racial equity, you have to raise the minimum wage. We're not just fighting for our families, we're fighting for yours too. We need this. I'm going to fight for it until we get it. I'm not going to give up. We just need all workers to sit up as one nation 
and just fight together. Families are relying on these salaries and they must be paid at a minimum $15 an hour. $15 a minimum anyone should be making this available to stay out of poverty. I can't take it no more. I'm doing this for not only me, but for everybody. We need 15 right now. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to Fort Worth, uh, where we uh, have been here talking with Deborah Peoples, who is running for mayor. The runoff is June 5th. Uh, folks, uh, you have to understand the power of the ballot, so you must use it. Uh, so there are folks who have been assembled here. They had a meet and greet earlier. Uh, and you know what, folks walk into the room, I'm going to go and call them up. So I saw Congressman Mark Vesey stroll up in here. Uh, so, uh, Congressman, come on up here. Come on. Come on up here. What's going on? Good seeing you. Good seeing you. You know, had, had, you know, we in your city had, had to bring a brother up. How's it going? Everything's going good. Everything's going good, Roland. Good to see you. Welcome, Likewise. welcome, welcome back. Uh, always glad to be back yeah. uh, in, in my home state of Texas. Uh, I will avoid Austin because they're acting the fool and legislators up there. So, you know, I ain't trying to get shot by folks who, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't right, the, the no need for a permit or whatever. Yeah. These people swear as the wild, wild west. I don't know what's wrong with these crazy folk. Uh, so, uh, share with us um, in terms of uh, what do you think uh, Deborah Peoples will bring if she's sitting in City Hall in Fort Worth? Well, I think that Deborah will obviously bring a certain level of dynamicism that is like really missing from City Hall. Uh, and you said, you said last mayor boring as hell. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not not necessarily saying that, but we need to get away from the status quo. Okay, all right, I'm just checking. Oh, yeah. I'm, just right. say, I'm just saying. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Ain't got much flavor there. I'm just saying you want a little more flavor at City Hall. I got you. Yeah. All right. yeah. I, you know, like seasoning, yeah. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salt and pepper, Tony Chacheray. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, you know, and generally speaking, honestly, I don't really even get that involved in, in the municipal races. I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I'm very active in Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and other Democratic causes. And I usually stick with that because, you know, in my opinion, the city council, their job is to make sure that we that the fire and safe fire and police are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be making sure that water's going the way it's supposed to. You know, they're supposed to be taking care of these basic bread and butter issues that, that people don't care about if it's Democrat or Republican. They want to make sure that these services that the cities are supposed to provide that they're being done. And so well, folks don't care about it until it don't work. Until it don't work, that's right. And I mean, that's the yeah. I always yeah. get a kick out of folk uh, who say, man, that stuff don't matter. Yeah, then your water stopped running. Then yeah. all of a sudden, you like, who the hell? Yeah. Who, who should I call? Well, no, you didn't say it mattered, so we ain't going to get the number. Right. But, you know, in addition to those services, uh, Roland, I will tell you something, that this, we, this city is growing very rapidly, uh, but there are other things that are happening here that people don't really see. And one of those things is that, you know, we're losing jobs here in the city of Fort Worth. You look at downtown Fort Worth, and, you, and, and I can just start naming off companies one by one, whether it's XTO, 
whether it's Radio Shack, Dickies just got bought by a company out of North Carolina, and so on and so on and so on. And for black people in America, we work at larger companies. You go to any national black organization, whether it's Lynx, whether it's the Deltas, AKAs, and you go to these national conventions and you see black people that have experienced upward mobility in America, and they usually experience it at a larger company. These little small companies, they don't really employ us. You know, if, if we are successful at a smaller venture, it's because we have our own law firm, or we have our own dentist practice, or we have our own doctor's practice. We get opportunities at bigger places, and the places in the Metroplex that are bringing in new jobs and new growth are happening outside of Fort Worth. Deborah has the experience. She has worked at the executive level at one of our nation's largest companies, and she knows what it will take to be able to bring more jobs to the center city. That is going to be good for African-American growth here uh, in Fort Worth and Tarrant County. I do want you to speak to this, uh, and, and this happens a whole lot. Anytime I get uh, a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, I really want them to explain this. It, it, it really gets on my nerves when I, I deal with a bunch of ignorant-ass black people <laughs> who haven't... No, who, who, who... CBC ain't nothing. They don't do nothing. I don't know what they're doing. They're failing us. And I, and I have to explain to people that, first of all, you don't even understand what the role of a member of Congress is. That's one. When you talk about those basic services, uh, the reality is the phone calls that come into a member of, member of Congress's office dealing with Social Security checks, uh, dealing with uh, very basic fundamental things, all those things uh, absolutely matter. Uh, and, and most people get caught up because they say, well, I don't see so-and-so's name on bills, not realizing that most people names would not be uh, at the top of the list uh, on a particular bill. And so speak to the folk who, again, who have this view that uh, the CBC is a do-nothing group that has no impact on black America. Because, I mean, that, I, I deal with that a whole lot. And people are like, man, why are you defending the CBC? I'm like, because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And let me tell you that, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump did was that he took credit for the amount of money that the HBCUs got it, but a lot of you probably saw that on the news. And he was going around the country doing a, a victory lap, talking about all this money that he brought to HBCUs. That was a Congressional Black Caucus. That was money that we worked and fought hard for and insisted on before the final budget to make sure that HBCUs got those monies. So the, it was the, the bill was from Congressman Alma Adams in North Carolina. Absolutely. Trump didn't know what the hell that bill no, was. No, not at all. Not at all. He did a photo op with some presidents and said, and look at all the money. And then he lied, kept oh, saying, yeah. oh, they were never getting, now they got permanent funding. No, it's literally one initiative that was started by President Bush renewed by Obama, then uh, we had Walter Kimbron, the president of Dillard University, who broke it down. Uh, but again, the lie kept going. I mean, I even had black people saying, uh, Trump saved HBCUs. I'm like, how, I'm like, how dumb are you? I mean, it's just so, it's, so it's, not, it's not like they passed an annual $5 billion allocation to HBCUs. And that, that, that's a different conversation. But, but that's the thing that, that, again, we had to walk people through. He had nothing to do with it. That was Congresswoman Alma Adams' bill. Absolutely. And, and then also, uh, the CBC put money in the farm bill. Also went to land-grant institutions. And again, that's the stuff that people, that people don't know and that it does not show up when they have bill signings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, there are so many different things that, that we do that people don't think about. I mean, like, for instance, uh, I fought very hard in this last stimulus bill to make sure that we had money for cities to be able to put broadband 
uh, into neighborhoods. And there are five neighborhoods in my district, one outside of my district, Como is outside of my district, but everybody know that I have love for Como because that's where I'm from. And, and, and Como got some yeah, of the money, too. you out. Man. You don't come home. Man. Man. <laughs> They'd be like, man, you better, you better send a check. <laughs> See, Attorney Leon Reed, he know. He know. So, yeah, I mean, and so it's things like that that, that uh, we no, do. See, see, right here. see, Mark, I got to help you. All right. See, Mark, see, you, you just sped past that too fast. So you need, to, you, need to first, you need to unpack that properly. You got to slow it down. You got to say, as a member of Congress, there are five neighborhoods that are getting money directly where black people live right. yeah. to get the internet. See, Mark, you got to say yeah. it that way, yeah. Mark. They, yeah. they, you got, I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, I got to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because no. you, you explained it like a member of Congress does. You got to say, no, no, and then right. you got name the five, Mark. You got name the five. See, you got to, see. Uh, yeah, it's, we got Ash Crescent, we got Rosemont, uh, we got, well, help me out, got six. Stop Six got some, Como got uh, some, and Northside. Yeah. That's right. So next part, so you got to say, so all y'all live in these neighborhoods, yeah. Yeah. if your internet, you now have it improved because yeah. I got the money. Yeah. And if you have a young person in school, like I have a 15-year-old that finally, thank God, went back to school like two months ago. Uh, but if you have kids at school, then you know how important this is for you to be able to have access to this broadband because, uh, you know, it was hard enough to keep up with uh, internet services at home. But imagine if you don't have those. And a lot of our young people didn't. A lot of our young people have one Chromebook for their entire house. But that's why, that's why representation matters. And right. people, don't, people don't always see that. We understand issues because we live in these communities. We experience these things. And it's not about taking something away from somebody else. It's making sure that our children have access to those things. And that's why we were so impacted by COVID. And that's why I talk about education a lot. You know, the Zoomies and the Roomies. The, the, the Roomies are the ones who came back to school, but the Zoomies are the ones that we lost. They're sitting out there. They don't understand what's going on. They check out. They're sleeping on the Zoom call. And so it, representation matters because we know issues that impact our community, and we're going to call attention to them. I said I was going to take some questions. Uh, let's just, come on, sister in the back. Wake up. Come on. Y'all back there. See, right there. She just said folks were sleeping on the Zoom. Come on up. I, I got I got the singer major. He's waiting. He's my next guest. But we're gonna take about five minutes of questions uh, here. I got you. I got you. You ain't gotta stand up. I got you, boo. I got you. Come on. Come on. Come on. There you go. Hi, my name is Sophia. Um, oh God. Sophia, you registered to vote? No. She's fourteen. I'm fourteen. I'm just checking. <laughs> I, I'm, I, have I ask everybody. That, I have friends that are 18, and I'm trying to make uh, them vote. Uh, you going to make them vote? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. All right, just checking. <laughs> just checking. But, so during the pandemic, a lot of my friends have been facing a hard time during school and, you know, struggling with, you know, their education. So I was wondering how you would address that towards my friends and how, you know, try to make them vote and go out and help tell other people and my friends to how to, to go vote. Thank you. All right. Ah, oh, there's a button politician here. Then, then you got to tell me where you got that shirt from. That's a okay. nice shirt. Hold, that is, that hold is on, a on, nice shirt. Come on, come on that, that, that is a nice shirt. Well, if y'all selling so, it. Sophia. Come on here. Come on here. I'm come on here. Come on here. Turn okay. around. Turn around. Right there. Come on. Slide, slide this way. Right. Get it right. Right camera. Y'all need to see the shirt. All right. That's a nice. 
I'm telling you, it's a nice shirt. I'm just saying. <laughs> Say, it's a Juneteenth shirt. That's right. So, Sophia, any mayor that doesn't care about what's happening with our students is crazy and they're letting it da us down. You are going to be making decisions for me in the next 10 years, baby. You're going to be 24. In 20 years, you'll be 34. You'll be deciding what nursing home you're going to put me in. And, and, and so, we have to partner with our ISDs and all of our schools around here to make sure that we are providing you with the curriculum and the tools that you need to be successful. And there's a State Board of Education member here, Asia Davis, and she knows that. We got to make up, sure Asia. that stand Don't up. Don't be trying to sit down. That's right. Stand okay. Hold on, hold on. Why we ask about people to stand up? And they, this is how they stand up. Like, <laughs> Asia, stand up. Stand yeah. up. No buckle knees. Stand up. <laughs> She's trying to be all humble now. Look, you ask me, I'm going to stand up. But, but that's why representation matters. Because she's down there in Austin fighting about what goes in your textbook so that you know we didn't come over here voluntarily to go clean up houses and stuff. We were It was involuntary. And so we're going to partner. We're going to be joined at the hips with schools. And I'm going to meet with superintendents all over and teachers to talk about about what you need and what the city does to make it better for you. All right. Mark, say, go ahead. Go ahead. And, let me, and let me say this, too. The reason why you want young people to go out and vote for Deborah and go out and vote for city council and all these other races is that ultimately that's how you really make change. Now, I'm not going to you know, bore everybody with any history lessons, Roland. But let me just say this. If you go back to the civil rights marches of the 1960s, and you look at the two key pieces of legislation that were really instrumental for black people. And the reason why I'm here now, you look at the Voting Rights Act, the reason why I get to serve in office right now, uh, it is because of the work that was done in Congress. Not to diminish the work that Dr. King and the marchers did. That was hugely important because that's what brought the problems that were happening in America to full circle so Inside, everybody could again. see. But if we didn't pass that legislation on the House floor and on the Senate floor and get it to the president's desk like we're right now trying to get George Floyd passed, then it, 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 that's, it doesn't make a difference. So you have to go and vote, and you have to make sure that young people vote so we can have people that are going to look like us and people that are also going to represent us and the things that are important to our communities. And that can only happen by going out there to vote. So go vote for Deborah. All right. <laughs> Next question right here. You got the vaccine? All right, just check it. So oh, do you, on, you just want to show your your your, no, I, your bling I, bling mask? I'm just I'm just messing with you. I, I don't show my face. I'm messing with you. Go ahead. I don't I don't show my face on any kind of publication. So speaking on education and the good hold point the mic up, hold the mic up, there you and go. the good point that you made with now HB three nine seven nine passing Senate and the House. Um, for everybody who don't know, for everybody who doesn't know, that's critical race theory being taught in your schools. That point that you just made wouldn't even be told in our schools. So because of white fragility and white tears and their whitewashing of history, what are you going to do and what do you feel about that? Um, and then also I wanted to know about how do we go about educating those who are against um, the CRT, but um, they really don't even know what it is. Okay, first, look, I, I, I'm going to start answering this first. I, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got this. I got this. First of all, 99.9% .9 of the people 
out here talking about critical race theory don't know what the hell it is. They have no idea. They can't spell CRT. They can't define it. They don't even understand it's a theory. They don't even know, even real. You got all these crazy white folks who are passing bills, and I'm, I'm saying it right now, in Oklahoma, other places, oh, we're not going to teach critical race theory in our schools. Fool, it's being taught on the college level. So, but you have to understand what the strategy is. Next year's the midterm elections. Republicans need to drive white conservative evangelicals to vote. They cannot criticize President Biden on the American Rescue Plan, the COVID bill. His approval rating is 60% or above. So they have to find wedge issues. So all of a sudden, critical race theory has become their wedge issue. They are appealing to uh, unsophisticated, clueless, uneducated white voters who all they hear, they don't hear critical or theory. They hear race. That's what's driving it. Uh, in fact, Charlie Sykes, Charlie Sykes, uh, who was a conservative out of Wisconsin, radio talk show host, uh, he actually uh, did a piece on it, uh, and that was, that, was, that was one of the folks who's against this. He literally articulated... Uh, what their strategy is. Control room, tell Major, I'm coming to him. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go along like I did last time. Uh, and, and what he did is, what the guy did, and again, I, I need us just to understand what happens, what their game plan is. Because I think what happens is, a lot of times uh, we are fighting folk not realizing uh, what the deal is. So this, this is exactly, this is a guy, Christopher Rufo. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill had him on his show. This is what he said. We have successfully frozen their brand, critical race theory, into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put all of the various cultural insanities under that brand category. This is what he, he tweeted this. The goal, and they tweeted this in March, March 15th, 2021. Uh, and this is, y'all can look at it, at Real Chris R-U-F-O. The goal is to have the public read something crazy in the newspaper and immediately think critical race theory. We have decodified the term and will recodify it to annex the entire range of cultural constructions that are unpopular with, he put Americans really mean white Americans. So, that's what they did with defund the police. That's what they, so you have to understand what the strategy is. And so, we have to counter the strategy by saying, no, we're not gonna play your white tears games. And then what has to happen is, at every time when somebody steps up to the microphone to decry critical race theory, we gotta say, what is it? Define it. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, I mean, don't tell me you're against it. Define it. They can't. And so, but what happens is, whenever these things happen, uh, and then, look, I, 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 I'm someone who I fight with words. Uh, this happened all the time when I was on CNN. So what happens is, what they do is, they want you to immediately go into defensive mode in defending it to counter them and what your strategy has to be is to, one, take a breath 
and then say, so what is it? No, 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 no. Please define critical race theory. And then you wait. And then when they say, well, well, no, you tell me what it is. No, you brought it up. (laughs) So please, I need you to define me what critical race theory is. Then I need you to explain to me where critical race theory is currently being discussed. See, now what happens is you now have cornered them. So that's what's going on here. So when you have now school boards and Republican-controlled state legislatures passing bills to say you can't teach critical race theory, it's not even being taught. What their real goal is, is to not discuss anything. That's why they hate the 1619 Project. Because you got to remember, this is all a part of the deal. They don't want the 1619 Project or anything dealing with it because they want what is his story to continue to be define of what American history is and not we now can read, which is one of the reasons why they didn't want us to read, uh, and now redefining it. And so when I talk about how America is changing, what is changing is that how they have defined what it means to be American. They have defined what it means, what morals, valuables, principles are. What happens now is black people get to say, oh, no, we can talk now. Latinos say, we can talk now. And so we now get to define what American values are. So when we say American values, we have to learn to begin to say, no, no, those are white American values. And so that's why they reacted the way they did with Colin Kaepernick and the flag. But see, you heard, but you realize none of them wanted to talk about Jackie Robinson in his book, I Never Had It Made, when he said why he did not stand for the flag, nor did he cite the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, see, they won't criticize Jackie. Because, see, they love Jackie because Jackie is a civil rights mascot that they put on, on just like Dr. King, uh, that how basically is like a, like a civil, rights, civil rights bobblehead. They don't want to deal with that Jackie. And so we have to understand what their game is. And so that's why OANN, Fox News, Newsmax, Conservative Talk Radio, they want us to be on the defensive with them on race we have to understand. It's like when I had the white supremacist on my show, Richard Spencer. See, the whole bunch of clueless-ass black people were like, oh, when he asked you who were you, you told him you were a man, a Christian man, and you a black man. I say, no, dumbass, you don't know how to debate. <laughs> he was expecting me to say I'm a black man. But when I hit him with I'm a man, if they watch the video, he was like, then when I said Christian man, he went, then his whole, where he was about to go, he was completely thrown off track. I said, so for y'all who don't know how to debate, I forced him to change his whole deal. Now he was kind of like, damn, hold on, I'm a man too. I'm a Christian man too. See, so he was waiting for that. So we have to be very cognizant of what their games are. This is their game. It's all designed for 2022 to drive white turnout in the midterm elections so they can take back the House and the Senate. That's their strategy. I know, hey, Major, I know you're holding less. I was going to go to a break. I'm going to go to you right now. Uh, my man, Major, uh, how you doing? My frat brother. Major, you there? Y'all bring up Major. I can't hear him. Can you hear me? Major, unmute your doggone computer, man. It should be muted. You went it to the high school for performing now. in visual arts? Yes, indeed. Now I'm I can unmuted. hear you. Major, what's up? Man, you, you are Now I can hear you, my brother. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Well, look, man, 
Hey, look, we look. Uh, first of all, I'm so glad to have you. I'm glad you got your damn shirt button. Because, uh, you know, last time I saw you, you walk around here thinking you Jeffrey Osborne uh, with the shirt all unbuttoned. I'm surprised you didn't have a sheer shirt on. Well, can you woo-woo-woo? Can you woo-woo-woo? Huh? No, I don't woo-woo. I, I get paid to talk. Listen, you get paid I, to sing. I, I, Listen, man, I'm super honored. Uh, I'm super honored to be here with you, man. I'm, I'm loving the work that you do. I've always loved it. Found out we're basically like cousins on in, a, in another space. But, you know, it's, it's good to be here, brother. Celebrated five years. Why I love you. Talk about that, man. Folks, uh, your song, Why I Love You. You got all these folks, they get married to your song. Uh, I say some folks can get divorced to the song as well. Uh, it's a good send-off song, too, so your song can go both ways. <laughs> Listen, it honestly is. The song is a reality check. If you don't have a love that is founded in reciprocity, understanding that if both people are giving, nobody's left empty, it's a love that isn't one that you should continue keeping because that's a, mis that's a, a, a dysfunctional uh, love right there. And how are they going to make May 20th uh, major day in Houston? Uh, Sylvester You're Turner, welcome. the mayor, of course, our alpha brother. So you got, so you got your own day. So did any rights come with you that you get to, like, like park illegally? You know, I, I, I mean, did, did, did you, like, not pay your water bill? Roland, there's tons of privileges. We don't speak about them. We just rise up in them, if you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I got a whole day, Doc. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> You got a whole day. Talk about your, your new album coming out. It's about time. It's been, it's been a while. Listen, listen, we have new what music. Happened? Did, did, uh, uh, did, did, uh, what happened? Was it delayed by COVID? <laughs> the, the project is definitely uh, inspired by what, what COVID uh, mandated. Um, COVID mandated a stillness, a sit down, take introspection, and... Um, just uh, accountability for how we contribute to the way in uh, which this world operates. Um, but the song that I uh, have coming out soon at the end of June is actually uh, in conjunction with season five of Black Love on OWN. It's a song called Baby Will You Love Me. It's got, you know, that, that, that soul, that funk. It, it feels really good. Kind of puts you in the vein of uh, Leave the Door Open with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Okay, all right. I, I see you. Now, also, for folks who don't know, uh, you also are very much, uh, we've we, we been talking about voting, of course. Deborah Peoples is running for mayor here uh, uh, in uh, Fort Worth. The runoff is June 5th. Uh, you put out a voting video. Uh, I, I, I rerun that as well. And so you understand how important this is, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, no, no vote, no voice. Don't expect to have opinion. Don't expect for people to, to understand your plight if you're not stepping into this democratic opportunity to make certain, certain that your voice is counted. Well, Major, uh, the, the, so the new work drops at the end of June. What's the name of it? And then uh, is it for pre-sale right now? No, it's not pre-sale right now. Baby, Will You Love Me? Uh, it's been teased right now in the uh, Black... Uh, Black Love uh, series on OWN right now. Uh, man, just stay tuned. It's a lot of great stuff. I don't know if you saw your brother in uh, as Curtis Mayfield in the uh, Genius Aretha series uh, now on Hulu, 
uh, starring Cynthia uh, Erivo. But, man, I'm putting in work, man. So stay tuned for new music, new TV and film stuff. We, we, we doing it, man. Okay. Well, man, certainly glad to hear that. Uh, and so, look, you, you, got to, you got to sing a little something, uh, uh, fifth anniversary of your hit song. Uh, so go ahead uh, and sing a little bit before I come back uh, to close it out here uh, in Fort Worth. I found love in you. And no other love would do. Every moment that you smile chases all the pain away. Forever and a while, in my heart is where you'll stay. This is why I love you. This is why I love you. Yeah, baby. All right, then. Major, always good to see you, my brother. Representing H-Town, representing you Alpha. You know, uh, the, the rest of those fraternities are youth groups. There's only one real fraternity. Listen, listen. We, we, we make room for the rest, but we know who's first. <laughs> you know, we just let them know. Is Scott, is Scott Bolden still there? Scott Bolden, you still Scott, there? Cappers in the house. Nukes in the house. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, that's, no, Lil Cap was in the house. <laughs> no, it's all love. It's all love. You know what? See, if it wasn't see, your see, show, Scott, this is how Scott, Scott, I keep telling you, without Alpha, y'all be known as Kappa Psi. <laughs> you Won't need our like name to complete y'all name. Fun. I keep telling you who's your daddy. Rolling, play nice, Doc. They know. They know. No, no, Major, I don't play nice. Major, I don't play nice. I put folks in rhetorical body bags. I don't play nice. Major, I appreciate it, my brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me, King. Keep it going. Uh, I appreciate it, Fred. Thanks a lot. All right, so I'm going to take questions from my panel, so I'm going to have to relay them to them because uh, uh, Deborah doesn't have IFB. Uh, so, Monique, do you have a question for Deborah Peoples? <laughs> Done, and I wanted to tell Major congratulations. But Girl, yes, if you want to tell Major question. congratulations, send him a text. <laughs> <laughs> we got time for all right. that. Okay. Yes, I do have a question. Um, I well, first of all, congratulations. I'm gonna just go ahead and say congratulations to the next mayor. But what I'd like to know she is said, congratulations to the next mayor. I feel like I'm an interpreter. <laughs> I do. You would like to know? I, wasn't I speaking in English? Monique, come on. I want to know what we can do. She wants to know how to give money to my area. campaign, no. right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm All right, so Monique said, folks can't vote for you. How can they help with your messaging? Uh, and Deborah said, send her a damn check. <laughs> Deb Deborah said they got the messages. She just need the money for the messages. <laughs> but also tell Monique she can tweet about me. She can go on social media. She can tell people about my campaign. Tell them to go look up Fort Worth so they know we are the 13th, soon to be the 12th largest city in the country. 
And I know it hurts people's feelings in Atlanta and D.C. and New Orleans. And my New Orleans family is here tonight, but we bigger than all of that. And so we are a city to be reckoned with, and we're going to be uh, do great things when I am mayor. But go, I'm a Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. It's Deborah peoplesformayor.com you can read all about me you can donate to the campaign you can sign up to volunteer we do phone banks and wherever you are Monique you can make calls from wherever you are hey Scott Scott you gonna send a check yes, Scott <laughs> Scott look, look, look. Deborah, his name is Scott Bolden sure. okay alright <laughs> His name, he gets a lot of Democrats. His name is, he ran for mayor in D.C. Uh, he got about 11 votes. Uh, uh, but, uh, but so true. Scott Bolden. So everybody, everybody who works, everybody who works, so everybody, I thought you ran There's for mayor. There's Dr. Michael Brooks, my treasurer. Scott Bolden, Do, Dr. Dr. Brooks. Right, okay. Dr. <laughs> so, so, so Dr. Michael Brooks, in the next 48 hours, you should see in the next 48 hours, Scott, Scott Aloysius Scott Bolden in the next 48 hours they should see your name appearing on that website with donations Scott hey, hey I'm going to give to her if you pledge your love for Cap pledge your love you for said Cap you're going to give to her by, if, if, I, if I pledge my love you, wait, wait, you said if, if you're going to give her a thousand dollars if I pledge my love to Kappa. Yes. Is that, is that what you said? Is that what you said? Take one for the team. Is that, is that what you said? I'll give her, hey, hey, watch this. I want to be clear. I'll give her $2,000 if you pledge your love to Kappa right now. Okay, Scott just said I will, he will give $2,000 to Deborah's campaign. Hold up. If, if I pledge my love for Kappa. I got this here. I love kicking Kappa's ass. <laughs> Boom. I just pledged my love to Kappa. See, Scott, you got to be specific with your question. Your question, your, your request was too general. No, 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 no. The, 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 the key phrasing was my love to Kappa. I use love and Kappa in the same sentence. Am I lying? No, Scott. Scott. That's Scott, that's what happens when an alpha outsmarts you cappers. Hold up, Scott. We out. Hey, Scott, Scott. We, out, Scott. we alphas love to outsmart you cappers. See, I did it twice. Send that $2,000, and they're going to let me know in the next 48 hours. Matter of fact, Scott, get a website right now. Scott, pull your credit card out right now. Open up another window on your computer and send the money right now. And they're going to let me know if it hit. No, pull, come on, pull your American Express card out. Deborah, give Scott the website. Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Peoples, P-E-O-P-L-E-S, for mayor.com. And Scott, I am sending you some Delta love. Good. Hey, Scott, ain't your wife a Delta? Scott, ain't your wife a Delta? No. No, she's. Scott, she's is your not wife a Delta or AK? No. She's not she ain't Greek. 
But I don't know why she no. married you. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ray, Robert Patillo, sell one of them uh, 45 guns you have and send that money to, uh, to Deborah. <laughs> Robert Patillo, no, Scott, you don't get a question. You got to send a check. No, okay. Scott, you, you, what? No, What's your question? Can I ask you a question? Damn. No, you, you want to ask a question, you got to send 3000 See? The price go up. What you want to do? See, he ain't trying to ask a question no, now. <laughs> All right, Scott, what's the question? Hurry up. The Scott, hurry up. They really do. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott, you're a lawyer. The FCC does not regulate online. They only regulate broadcast entities. Well, That's the law. See, boy, you, I keep telling you, Alpha. Job. Whoever regulates hey, you hey, Scott, needs nobody... to get on your job. Scott, my mama Scott, and daddy don't regulate me, so you need to go ahead and be quiet. <laughs> Robert Patillo, what's your question? Or you gonna send? No, Robert, you gonna send some money to your lawyer? Robert, you need to send some money to the Deborah campaign. Roland, I work for a nonprofit. That's the difference between me and Scott and his palatial estate. Hey, but hey, I, hey, I a... don't want to hear that nonprofit stuff. Sell one of those. Sell one of those AR-15s you have and go and raise some money. You know all the guns you love in Georgia. To me right now, besides this one. Uh, but I did have a question. What we have? Robert, seen go sell that gun. Come on, what's your question? Hurry up. We've seen uh, police unions attack many black female mayors from Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta to uh, Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. What would be your uh, strategy for police reform? Uh, because they like to use the pejorative term defund the police. What would be your strategy for bringing more accountability in law enforcement? He said police unions are attacking black female mayors all around the country. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, is it happening here? And what is your response to them about police reform? Uh, and so how are you responding to that? Uh, so... Robert, absolutely. We've already gotten a classic defund the police mailer. It's already been out there. But I tell people all the time, my brother was a policeman, my sister was a constable. We want to be safe in our homes just like you want to be safe in your home. We want transparency and openness. And when something happens, like the Tatiana Jefferson shooting, we don't want to wait days to get the tape. We want to see the tape right then. And people want to see justice done. I mean, it's just that simple. So I can take their attacks. I mean, I take, can take their attacks all day long, but until we change the face at the top, we're going to continue to see that same kind of battle going on. And that's why I'm out here running for mayor. All right, then. Scott, Monique, Robert, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, to all the folks who are watching, uh, who watch us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Periscope, and Twitter, uh, this is why we launched this show uh, September 4th, 2018, uh, because an opportunity to give voice uh, to folks. Uh, as I said, we, we were in St. Louis with Tashara Jones. Uh, we're here. We've been actually in other, uh, other cities as well. We spent uh, five weeks. We literally moved to Georgia to help uh, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock uh, win there. Uh, this is what happens when you own your own stuff. Uh, you don't have to ask somebody for permission, uh, and that, which, which, is, which is part of the issue. That because bottom line is when we have to ask other folks to cover us, then we might get two, three, four, five minutes as opposed to being able to broadcast live uh, from two hours. And so I appreciate Bishop Spears having us here at the Petroleum Club. Want to thank everybody for coming out here as well. For those of you who are watching, y'all can support this show. Your dollars make it possible. Last year, our fan base gave six hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars to our show uh, to make it possible for us to do what we do. Uh, support us via Cash App, dollar sign R M Unfiltered, Venmo dot. 
paypal.com forward slash rm unfiltered paypal.me forward slash r martin unfiltered zale of course is rolling at roland martin unfiltered.com uh so folks uh use any of those platforms we're going to be uh, in tulsa tomorrow uh beginning uh, our six days of coverage uh, commemorating the 100th anniversary of the tulsa race riots so we look forward to being there uh let me thank everybody here deborah thank you so very much congressman Ma mark Vizi, i appreciate it my brother thank you so very much uh, i want to thank bishop uh, I want to thank, uh, I saw Commissioner Brooks, I saw him, uh, what, what, what loud, Mary Ellen Hicks, yeah, just, ain't nothing changed, she was loud, she was loud 30 years ago when I was here, ain't nothing changed, uh, and so I see all my alpha brothers in the house, I appreciate all of y'all here, thank you so very much, for the rest of y'all who join the youth groups, whatever. Cheryl Smith, I see you here representing the black newspapers. Thanks a bunch. Hey, folks, again, tomorrow we'll be in Tulsa, so we'll look forward to that. There's an unveiling of a mural at noon, so we're going to be leaving here at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, getting down the road to Tulsa to live stream that uh, for y'all. There's no other platform that's doing this, no other black-owned media that's doing this, and so that's why this matters. So we need y'all to support what we do. So we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I'll see y'all tomorrow from Tulsa. Y'all know how we always end the show? Y'all know how we end the show? Y'all know how we do it? Okay, y'all clearly don't watch the show. Okay, so I was in the show, I say holla. So on three, Zim, give me a wide shot. Give me a wide shot, Zim. On three, okay, y'all ready? Zim, there you go. No, keep it right there, all right? One, two, three. Holla! From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.